Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're focusing on Connecticut's 5th Congressional District, where there are five candidates vying for the seat. A few weeks ago, we spoke to the Democratic candidates. And today, where we live, we check in with three Republicans who will be on that primary ballot August 14th. Now, do you live in the 5th Congressional District? What kind of candidate are you looking for to replace incumbent Elizabeth Esty, who's not seeking re-election? We want to hear from you. 860-275-7266. You can email us where we live at WMPR.org. And today we're on Facebook Live. So if you are watching the live video stream, please add your question or comment in the comments field below that video stream. And as always, we're on Twitter at where we live. So to welcome into the studio now is uh, Rich DuPont, who lives in Watertown, former director of the Advanced Manufacturing Technology Center at Housatonic Community College. Rich, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Lucy. Pleased to be here. Also here is Manny Santos. He's a Meriden resident. He's the Republican endorsed candidate, former mayor to the city of Meriden uh, back in 2013. Manny, welcome to the show. Awesome being here. And Ruby Corby O'Neill lives in Southbury. She's a retired psychology professor. Ruby, welcome to wherever you live. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I think often uh, the challenge uh, when uh, you have not held elected office, I know a couple of the uh, candidates here have not, the challenge is uh, getting people to know who you are, and that's why you're on the campaign trail. But since you're on our show, I want to spend a little time uh, so our listeners know your background. So, Rich, go ahead and tell us about your, yourself, uh, where you were uh, born and raised, and what you bring to uh, the congressional uh, seat of the 5th District. Born and raised in Waterbury. Lived in the 5th District my entire life. Been in Watertown for the last 39 years. I built a career um, around manufacturing where I spent uh, about 25, 26 years as a manufacturer. During that period, got very, very involved in advocating for programs to support manufacturing. It's been the core of, of what I do. That has led me to many, many other things that I do in the community and statewide, having to do with education around manufacturing, around employment, and uh, economic development. So I do believe in, in people helping people, and uh, I see plenty of opportunity for Connecticut, and is why I've decided to come into this 5th District race. Uh, Manny, I mentioned you're the former mayor of Meriden, but why uh, try for Congress? Well, for pretty much the same reason that I, I decided to run for mayor. Standing on the sidelines is not an option for me when there's uh, so much potential in our, in our state and in, in, in indeed our country. And so I felt it very important that, that someone jump in uh, well, well before Elizabeth Esty decided not to run for re-election. And I felt it important enough to, to send someone to, to Washington, D.C., who's um, reflects the the values of of a uh, a great america that that uh, most of us uh, truly un understand and appreciate uh, what america was uh, a number of years ago and tell so, us your story what what led you to connecticut well i uh, i was born in portugal and we immigrated here uh, some in 1994 uh, 74 uh, from Portugal, which is a uh, at that time was a uh, uh, authoritarian um, regime, and uh, my parents um, got just you know 
mediocre jobs, really. I mean, they, they uh, supported us really uh, as, as best as they could. I grew up in Hartford, went to all, all the public schools there, and eventually decided to go into the military after high school. So I joined the Marine Corps and uh, eventually decided to go to college, and I obtained a mechanical engineering degree from UConn. Uh, worked in manufacturing for over 15 years, uh, developing products uh, in various in industries right here in Connecticut. But I saw the challenges of manufacturing that Connecticut faced. Uh, I actually lost my job to NAFTA, believe it or not, when I was working in Cheshire. And then when, when the opportunity came, came to run uh, for, for mayor in Meriden, I uh, decided to step up. It was my first run uh, for elected office, and I won. Uh, pretty uh, decisively too, and um, and I'm doing. I want to do the same thing for for the uh, fifth congressional district in re- representing them in Congress. And uh, to your left is Ruby Corby O'Neill, a Southbury resident. I mentioned at the beginning of the show you're a retired educator. Tell us yes. about yourself. I was born in Honduras, in Central America, and as you know, Honduras is at the center of this immigration crisis, along with other Central American countries. We sailed into the port of Baltimore when I was almost two years old, where Francis Scott Key wrote the Star Spangled Banner. And then we traveled to the Bronx, where my family lived with my grandparents, and I grew up there and in Queens. Um, I went to New York City public schools. I remember in high school, I worked at a factory to help my family out. And then when I got older, I first went away to college and then came back after a year. I was through a program in New York called the SPs where you went from seventh grade to ninth grade. You skipped the eighth grade. So I got to college a year early. And then I came back and I worked. And eventually I earned in my undergraduate degree and two master's degrees and a PhD in psychology with a specialty in developmental psychology. And then I became a tenured professor for many years. And I retired in 2013. And, you know, every semester, I mean, every September, you get a new group of students and you're staying with them for four years. And you get to know them and their struggles. You meet their parents. You meet their siblings. And I saw students struggling two to three jobs, part-time jobs, just to try to make ends meet. And I heard stories of how their parents were struggling. It reminded me very much of, of the struggles that my family experienced. I came from very little. You know, I grew up as an immigrant in the Bronx, and we had to work very hard. And I'm an immigration success story. We came here legally. We went through the process. I know what it's like to struggle financially. I lost my previous marriage, my previous family. Uh, My ex-husband had a substance abuse disorder. He was a medical doctor, and he lost his medical license in the states of New York and Connecticut. I know what it's like not to rub two nickels together. And my house went in foreclosure. I know what it's like to struggle and to have to start all over again and, you know, worry about how you're going to feed your children. And when I travel across this district and I meet people, I see how they're struggling. I've met people who've lost their homes in foreclosure or who've lost their jobs. 
So that's one of the reasons that oh, you absolutely. want to run for the 5th yeah. District. Uh, I want to go turn back to uh, the other candidates in the room. We want to make sure everyone has enough time to talk about so many uh, issues uh, before the 5th District, the economy, immigration. But I am curious, as you go around the campaign trail, Rich, what are you hearing from uh, residents in the 5th District? What are the issues that matter to them? We heard a little bit from Ruby in terms of the economy. Well, I think that that does dovetail into what I hear most frequently and my feet around the street in the fifth district every day as they've been for the last 30 years. Quality of life. Why can't we move forward? And and that is what we spend our time doing. And, it, and again, it begins with education. And I think in Connecticut right now, and in particular our fifth district, when we look at our inner cities, it's very, very important to focus on people understanding the opportunities they have to lift themselves and break the cycles of poverty that they've lived in year after year after year, sometimes generation after generation. And employment's the key to doing that. And when you put people to work, they feel good about themselves. They tend to stay away from things that compromise uh, where they go in life, uh, perhaps crime, perhaps drugs, perhaps other things that take them down. And so we're spending an awful lot of time in the work that we do now and the work that I want to take the, the experience I've built on to Washington and getting the message out that you don't have to accept what you think you do. There are plenty of opportunities on there to change your lives, and we see that happening every day. So, so you'll work towards a more economic development and educational opportunities. Community development first. Economic development follows community development. Community has to be a big part of economic development. That's Rich it starts DuPont. starts with education. That's Rich DuPont, one of the Republican candidates in the, the 5th District running uh, in the August 14th primary. This is where we live. You can join our conversation, 860-275-7266. Uh, with us today, also another uh, candidate, Republican-endorsed candidate, uh, Manny Santos. Uh, what do you bring uh, to the 5th District? What are you hearing from them about why they should vote for you, Manny? What, one of the biggest issues that I hear when, when I uh, crisscross the district is the, um, the, the divisive issue of illegal immigration. And the American people just want that resolved. There's, uh, they, they believe that um, our federal government has been too lenient on uh, individuals coming through our border um, illegally. And they just con- the, uh, the government hasn't done anything for the last uh, couple of administrations, actually. And so they want that resolved. Um, and uh, one, one of the ways to, to resolve that is, frankly, the uh, current ad- administration is tr- trying to do that. And they're, they're getting a lot, a lot of flack, of course, uh, on it su- because – Do you support the zero tolerance at the border separating uh, children from their parents? Well, at, at at the time, that that was the common practice, and and they, there was some agreement. Um, it, it, I forget the uh, name of that per, uh, particular uh, protocol, but um, the legislation that just re- recently passed by by Congress does allow the children to to remain with the parents while they're being processed. So so that issue has has already been been resolved. The, 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 we got to, 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 to this point because it's been ignored. Uh, we were in the same uh, similar situation about 30 years ago in, in, in the 80s when uh, um, President Reagan um, granted am, amnesty to uh, several million people back then. And the border wasn't secured then, and it still isn't secured, and that's the main problem. We don't have a secured border. We don't have the um, uh, rigorous enforcement of our immigration laws. And so we are finally enforcing our laws, 
and so you're you're kind of have some some issues uh, but but I believe in in in, in the long run this this is going to work out really well for um, our for for our country and for uh, Americans. Uh, Ruby, what are solutions when we talk about immigration reform? Again, as Manny uh, referenced, this has been something that's been talked about for decades. Uh, the country has really failed to come up with comprehensive immigration reform. It has become divisive. So much attention on people coming in from the southern border, but there's lots of issues that need to be reformed, including um, people who overstay their visa. What are your ideas to reform our immigration system? Well, I just wanted to um, make the listeners aware that the agreement to which um, he was referring is the Flores Consent Decree. And there wasn't legislation passed last week. It was an executive order. Um, Speaker Ryan tried to introduce legislation uh, to keep the children together. But in a stark and egregious, egregious example of outcome determination bias, Congressman Jim Himes of the Connecticut Democrat delegation, the day before Speaker Ryan even introduced this um, bill on the floor of the House, before debates or arguments were heard, before there was an opportunity for any amendments to be presented, uh, Congressman Himes said, I'm not going to sign that bill, and neither are other Democrats. You're talking, now, you're talking often about the gridlock that Americans see in Congress. So right, if, you're elected, if right. you're elected, how do you get past that partisanship? Yeah, the, and what are some of your ideas to reform the immigration system? Right. The, the do-nothing Congress. Um, you had um, asked earlier about the children at the border and separation. So now we're hearing a lot of grinding and gnashing of teeth, even though um, under the previous administration, um, the Democrats had control of the House and the Senate, and they didn't do anything about this Flores consent decree. What I would introduce, um, well, fortunately, we have an executive order, but we need to change the laws. You see, we can't – I understand but that are there the are benefits. In, are the laws being enforced to begin with, to change the laws? I'm just curious, like when you say um, to change the laws. Well, the Flores consent decree is a law, and um, the executive order – it, it's nice that the president did that, but we have a separation of powers for a reason, and we can't go around, do an end run around the authority and the power that the Constitution has delegated to the Congress. And a president with, you know, with a stroke of a pen shouldn't be able to pick and, you know, cherry pick and choose which laws they want to enforce and which laws they don't. Now, I understand that that his hand was forced because Congress couldn't make it happen. I would introduce bills. I would introduce a, a bill to change the Flores consent decree. And I will work with anybody who will work with me on uh, securing the border, ending catch, um, catch and release. I think that's cruel. Can I ask what you think should happen uh, to the many uh, migrants who come up from the from countries such as Honduras that are looking for um, safety and a better life? What yeah, should be what should we happen to them? Well, I think they should go through the process, through the asylum process, and we have to be able to determine if the adults who are accompanying those children are legitimate adults. Because uh, I have. Uh, a cousin who still goes back and forth to Honduras that's telling me what's happening with the young children. He is sponsoring a young child 
um, who at six years old, the gangs were harassing him and terrorizing this little boy um, to be a mule, a drug mule. So my cousin is sponsoring him so that he can go to a private school, a Catholic school. So what's happening in these poor villages in the northern, that northern triangle of Central America, of Honduras, El Salvador, in Guatemala, is that the um, MS-13 and the drug cartels are raiding those villages, kidnapping those children, and using them as human shields to crash the border. And another problem that we have, so, so we need to determine if those adults are legitimate. But one of the big problems we have is that there's a highway system, um, Interstate 44 and Interstate 70, that goes from the southern border up through the northern border and intersects St. Louis, Missouri, and intersects um, a very widespread um, interstate system in our country. And that's why St. Louis, Missouri has such a high incidence rate of human trafficking and sex trafficking. So we have to, I, I agree with you, so these conditions are horrible in, in Honduras. It's the murder capital of the world. But we send foreign aid dollars there and we have to be willing to hold these countries accountable for what is going on in their countries. They are losing their future and they are losing their youth. I want to let uh, Rich DuPont chime in on uh, immigration reform since mm -hmm. the other two candidates were able to talk about that. Uh, what are solutions, again, to reform the system? And do, uh, do you support uh, President Trump's actions uh, just a few weeks ago where, uh, parent, where the uh, attorney general as well were separating children from their parents? Yeah, I think, we, I think we need to look at a few things there. And I think, first of all, I do support immigration reform because our system is broken. And we know that when we have a system that works legally, then we have success. And I mean, you have examples of two people in the studio here who immigrated to this country legally without problem, illegally. Now, uh, why are people doing that is another question, okay? Um, I like to keep this a little bit to the 5th District as well, knowing that we have a national problem. How does it affect our 5th District? And what do the people in this district expect out of that? And, and where do they want us to stand? I don't think anybody in their right mind wants to see families separated from children. But I think when we talk about that issue, we need to take a look at what's happening. How many of those children are being sent here without families, first of all? How many of those children are detained, sent here with no guardian or anybody else? And, and we can't get wrapped up in the, in, in the media about all this. We need to understand the statistics. And in fact, statistics will show you that if you look at that, that the, the majority of those children that we're talking about that were detained were not here with families. They were sent here by desperate families alone to get them out of the country. That's a whole different program, a whole different problem than we're led to believe it is. So I do believe that we need to focus on reform. And I believe what does reform look like, though, with, when we talk about well, the immigration I think, system? Okay, I think it starts with securing our borders. I really do. I you believe support that President Trump's uh, idea build to wall? build a wall? Absolutely. Billions Absolutely. of dollars of taxpayers? Absolutely. Dollars. I do. I okay. do. Because I think that funnels into other things that create a, a vibrant economy for the United States. And I think we need to take it back. I think at the same time, we need to secure our northern border. And I'm not suggesting we build a wall there. But I think we're talking about national security. And we have to start there. We have to bring the things back to America that establish us as leaders and allow us to be leaders in this world. So by, by, by building a wall, by beefing up our, our borders, by beefing up our military, by reshoring manufacturing to bring the components that, that, that allow us to have a strong military base back here in the United States so that we're not dependent on people, allow us to become 
the strength that we were once I, before. I asked Ruby about uh, the problem where people overstay their visas. How should that be fixed? Yeah, I, I think, again, that's, that's regulation. That's a system that's broke. I mean, people here uh, come here on visas uh, for a term, and, and, and the term has to be honored. And, and those that are not honored of that term have to follow the process, and we have to enforce the process. If we don't enforce rules, there is no purpose of having rules. When we don't have rules, we have no law. When we don't have law, we have disorder. That's exactly where we are right now. Uh, Manny, before we head to break, I just wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about immigration reform uh, more in depth since our other candidates had more time as well. And that is uh, you have, when we talk about uh, the, the people that are living here uh, illegally, uh, what should they have a pathway to citizenship? What is your ideas for uh, dealing with people who are already here? We we have uh, there's estimates of uh, 14 to to as high as 30 million people here illegally. Um, there's no way that we we should grant citizenship to uh, illegals. Um, I am in favor of a, a path to legalization for those individuals who qualify under the DACA program. These are young children that were brought here as 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 young children, uh, no with no choice of their own. They uh, went to our public schools. This is probably the only culture, the only nation that uh, that they know of. And so in, in order to, and we're not going to separate those families. And, and many of them, the far majority of them are here with their parents. We're not going to separate those parents. The, the parents, for, for the most part, are uh, hardworking, productive in, individuals. So the people that, are, that qualify under the DACA should have a clear but rigorous path to legalization, which is essentially a green card, and that um, every few years gets reviewed. I still have uh, family members with green cards. There's nothing wrong with it, absolutely nothing wrong with it. The only thing that you cannot do is vote. Um, but you can work, you can uh, own property, and, and so on. Um, but our legal immigration, our, our immigration is not so much broken. It's been neglected and not properly enforced for so many decades that it is overwhelming the system now. Now that we're trying to enforce the laws, now that we're trying to resolve the uh, uh, problem, we see deficiencies in, in, in our system. But this goes back to uh, several administrations and several uh, co congresses that did nothing and just kicked the can down down the road just so that they could get reelected. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're talking to three Republican candidates running for the 5th Congressional District. There are more topics to talk about besides immigration. After the break, we're going to continue that discussion. We want to take your calls, too. Join us, 860-275-7266. You can also find us on Facebook Live today. Just add your comment or question below the video stream, and we'll be back right after a break. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. The Connecticut governor's race is not the only one that has attracted a lot of interest. The 5th Congressional District has five candidates running for Elizabeth Estes' seat, including three Republicans. They're in studio with me today. Uh, Ruby Corby O'Neill, who lives in Southbury, Manny Santos um, from Meriden, also the Republican endorsed candidate, and Rich DuPont, who lives in Watertown. You can join our conversation, too. The number 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter to search for At Where We Live. 
Um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, President Trump's policies. Again, uh, your Republican candidates uh, who are hoping to uh, have a seat uh, in Congress. And Ruby, I'll go to you. How would you rate the job that uh, President Trump is, has been doing for Americans and specifically how it impacts us here in Connecticut? Well, I, he's trying to secure the border and he is becoming a champion for free trade and his uh, tax cut and jobs act has benefited Connecticut. We have um, in the country over six million workers who have seen pay increases or benefits increases. Um, uh, Three, um, we have um, a lower unemployment rate with minorities, with Latinos and African Americans and women. We have um, over three million new jobs since this administration has taken over. We have uh, utility, 75 utility companies have announced that they're going to lower their rates. And if you've spoken to any senior citizens lately, they are suffering with uh, prescription prices and also their electric rates and their utility rates. They're having a hard time making ends meet. So it's great news to hear that. Um, I like the fact that he appointed a female head of the CIA for the first time in the history of the CIA. I love the fact that he negotiated the release of those American prisoners in North Korea. I like the fact that he got North and South Korea talking to each other. So he's doing some positive things. And as I said, he's trying to secure the border and he's trying to make um, America competitive again. And it's nice to see a president finally fighting for the American worker and standing up for the American worker because um, I I think your question touches upon the tariffs issue. And um, honestly, I believe these tariffs, these are not Trump tariffs. These are reciprocal tariffs because those countries – had originally, initially levied tariffs against us. So these are reciprocal, and he's just trying to protect the American worker. Those tariffs came over to us first, and he's like, right back at you. So Ruby would uh, give President Trump a grade A for what he's done in 18 months. Um, well, above, above, above average for sure. Yeah. So we'll get to um, maybe some policy differences that you would have with the president coming up. But I want to get the other candidates a take on the job that President Trump is doing, how it impacts us here in Connecticut. Manny. Well, I, th- I think the president is doing a good job. Um, there's there's no doubt that uh, when, when someone uh, new new to uh, uh, to the position in, in politics, he wasn't a, a politician before. He was, he's used to doing things his own way. Um, and so he, he's had a learning curve. But overall, I believe he's doing the right thing. His policies are right for America, and I'll support those policies. Uh, when, when you look at the economy, how it's, turn, how it's turning around, you got all this um, – all these uh, um, cash that's coming back from overseas. These, these American companies had a lot of cash, billions of dollars overseas – and in order for them to bring it back into the United States, they would um, ha- uh, see heavy taxes imposed on it. 
So those those uh, uh, um, thresholds, those taxes are now reduced, and, and that money is able to come back in, into the United States, into our economy, and we see a result. We we see the job creation. We we see the the American spirit finally uh, having some. Um, uh, some confidence that that their children are going to be, be better off than 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 they are. So uh, there's there's no doubt that uh, the president is doing a good job. The um, economy is 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 roaring. Uh, and the military is being re- re- rebuilt. ISIS is almost uh, uh, um, um, removed from from uh, from. Uh, the Middle East. So it, it and, and that, by, by the way, is not getting enough credit. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of things that that are happening overseas that are um, benefiting our national security, and it, it it's a shame that it it doesn't get more press time. There would be uh, also Americans who disagree with the billions of dollars that were spent by the United States in uh, two wars, as well as how much is uh, often given to defense contractors, defense contractors that are here in Connecticut, which we we reap the benefits of that revenue that brings to the state of Connecticut. What would you say to those Americans? Americans in the fifth district who don't agree with um, some of the policy decisions in the last uh, few years. Well, in in the last few years, with the uh, Obama ad- administration, has certainly uh, squandered a lot of our tax money. Um, this th- the war against terror should should have been really won some time ago, and and it keeps dragging on. And I suspect it's going to continue on uh, for for an, um, a, a number of more years. Until the people from those particular countries that that are spo- uh, sponsoring terrorism understand that that is that there is a better way, and if if they could could just um, uh, embrace democracy, I think terrorism will will resolve its, itself. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of um, uh, cultural barriers to the, the democracy overseas. I want to ask uh, Rich Dupont the question that I had the other two candidates address, and that's how you would rate President Trump's performance, his job, the last eighteen months, and how it impacts us here in Connecticut. Right, and and, and particularly in this fifth district as well. I would give uh, the president also good marks, um, no doubt about it, no question. From where I sit and the work that I do every day, that I see us moving forward. I see us moving forward as a country, but I see us moving forward as a state and, and within this fifth district at, at a pace that I've not seen in many, many, many years. Does President Obama's administration deserve any credit for how the economy has turned around? I, I really don't believe it does. Quite frankly, I believe that uh, President Obama's administration uh, did more to curtail uh, our growth and development than the previous administration does. and and. You know, those were the decisions that that administration made. But I know firsthand from the work that I've done with employers and with people in the community that they are living a better quality of life right now. And they are looking forward to the opportunity that they see again and should see, given what we have to offer here in Connecticut. This is where we live. We have uh, three Republican candidates in Studio Vine for the 5th District, Rich DuPont, Manny Santos, and Ruby Corby O'Neill. You can join our conversation, 860-275-7266. Each of you um, are giving uh, President Trump uh, good marks for the most part on his policies. Uh, We know the 5th District, the largest uh, group of voters are unaffiliated. I'm just curious, uh, your support of the president, do you think that's going to hurt you in your district? It's not solidly Republican, solidly Democrat. Rich, and then I'll ask the others. Sure. Um, no, I know it's helping. 
I know it's helping because, again, I'm on the street every day. I work with these people. I listen to what they're saying. They are looking for a way to improve. Nobody, no person, I don't care who you are, wants to fail. Nobody wants to be bad. Nobody wants to find themselves in difficult situations. Unfortunately, most people have not had the support where they need it most when they're young and at home to teach them where they can go. Right now, we have an opportunity because the employment opportunities in this district are so high to share with them the pathways toward improving their lives. And that is working every day, and we need to start in our inner cities. Uh, Manny, the reason I asked that question about unaffiliated voters and uh, uh, your and other candidates' support of President Trump, we've heard from some listeners who say they're Republican, but they just can't stand what they're seeing in Washington. They don't like the president. Do you think that your support of the president will hurt you and your chances of winning this primary and, and winning the general election if you move forward? There's there's no question that uh, th- that this president does upset a lot a lot of people. He doesn't say the right things. I I don't say the right things half of the time, but he doesn't but say he's th- the commander in chief. Th- 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 there that he is, and um, but his policies I will defend. His policies I will support. His policies is what I am focused on. When I decided to to run for for Congress, it was with the intent. To go to to Washington D.C. and support those very policies that that will help this state and in this nation. When you look at at the Democrat policies, right? The the every city in Connecticut that is doing well is run by republic with impl, uh, implemented Republican policies. Look look at Danbury with Mark Bowton. It's doing great. One one of the only cities doing doing well. So. New, New, New Britain is coming back. It's uh, with, with Aaron Stewart, Republican policies. Um, take a look at a number of other cities. Hartford, disaster. Waterbury, disaster. I'm talking about the policies being implemented are wrong. The Democrat policies that encourage um, so, uh, social programs that, that discourage business growth and job creation – that is what what is destroying our cities in in our in, in in our district, and I want to turn that around, and I want to turn it around with pro growth, pro job, limited government that that encourages individuals to to seek their their passion and and uh, enter the the workforce per, perhaps as an entrepreneur, so that they can can then be uh, productive uh, citizens and create jobs and give those jobs to individuals that right now don't have them. Uh, you mentioned uh, before I um, at, get a call in and then we go to Ruby uh, that the cities are a disaster uh, in terms of uh, what's happening with uh, over-reliance on social programs. All of you have mentioned the economy has improved, but the income inequality in this country is a, still a problem. And if people don't have a way to lift themselves up to get educated, to find a job, they need certain programs to help them. What, what about that that yeah. you would help resolve? Right. So the, the reason that these programs are, are needed is because public policy has failed them. Public policy has got to create the, the culture in which businesses thrive on. Businesses is is where you find jobs, 
And if you cannot accommodate a business, if you cannot make it, if you cannot implement public policy that encourages job growth, that encourages businesses, you're not going to have employment. So when you don't have employment, you have poverty. When you have poverty, you you we as as humans, as, as compassionate humans, want to genuinely help those. That, that, that need the help. So what do we do, especially politicians? They implement these programs that then uh, um, that, that they believe will, will help these individuals that are unemployed or underemployed that are in, in, in need. But that is essentially a, a Band-Aid on, on the um, – that is essentially ignoring the root cause. The root cause is bad public policy that has created a vacuum in our cities. Businesses are leaving. There's a lack of jobs, and individuals are hurting. I want to uh, get some time to get some listener calls in. I'm going to have Ruby respond uh, first to uh, some of our call uh, listeners who are calling in. Karen, you're calling from Meriden. Go ahead. Karen, are you there? Yeah, go ahead with your Hi. question. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead with your question. So I'm just wondering how the candidates can square with what seems to me like two very opposite things, how they say that President Trump is doing a great job on the economy, but then they also say that they're traveling around the state and seeing a lot of people who are really struggling. And so I just would like some comments on that. And I think that that goes to sort of a second question of, like, how do you attract the unaffiliated voters um, when you seem to be um, very pro-Trump? Uh, thank you for your question. Ruby, do you want to answer that? Well, sure. Um, Connecticut is circling the drain. And Connecticut as th- is at the bottom of the list when it comes to um, uh, the economy and in job creation. And the uh, Connecticut has been under a democratically controlled legislature for 30 years. And they, they used to have a tax and spend approach to life. Now they have a spend Let's spend it as much as we can and then tax the life out of people. And that has not benefited Connecticut at all. It is because of the failed democratic policies that we are seeing our cities implode. We have to be proud of our cities and we can't be. We have had these policies in place since the 1960s, actually. We've given those um, social policies and public policies an opportunity. And it hasn't helped the people in the inner cities. Oh, we should note, since we're talking specifically about Connecticut state politics, uh, uh, John Rowland was a Republican, and uh, the decisions he made uh, caused a lot of some of the, the debt load that Connecticut has now, including not paying into uh, the pension liabilities. A Democratic-controlled legislature. It doesn't matter who was sitting in that office. It is a Democratic-controlled so John Rowland doesn't deserve any. John Rowland doesn't deserve any flack for some of the policies he put in place. It was a Democratic-controlled legislature, and it's a Democratic-controlled legislature that agreed to the CBAC agreement, the Public Employees Union contract that is strangling the taxpayers of Connecticut. I want to get more into, um, again, issues that are, I don't want to get too far off and talking about state politics, but it, you know, it is related. Uh, another call from David in Woodbury. David, go ahead. Oh, hello, folks. Goodness, what, what about those cockamamie 25% tariff on aluminum and steel? 
This is, this is causing farmers terrible problems in the Midwest. Like soybeans, they can't sell soybeans, corn to farmer, foreign markets now. Some farmers are, are wondering if they're going to stay in business. An F-150 Ford pickup is going to be $5,000 more. Okay, David, David, I want to have the candidates respond. Uh, he's uh, critical of the, the steel tariffs and the impact on uh, the U.S. economy. If you're elected to Congress, uh, your concerns, uh, Rich DuPont. If, if any. Yeah, I mean, there, David, there is no question that the, the tariff um, uh, proposals uh, and, and plans have, have caused quite a bit of controversy. Um, and depending on whom I talk to, where and on what day, uh, they all have a different view on, on tariff and, and this policy. And I think that, in fact, is, is evident of, of what a complex issue this is. And unfortunately, in order to make corrections, and this goes back to an issue that we've been struggling with for many, many years, fair trade, free trade, protectionism, unless we draw a line in the sand and establish a starting point that says we're very serious about what we're going to do, then we're not going to be able to move forward on an issue that's been ignored for many, many years. So yes, there's some pain that we're going to experience, but I do believe that over time, that is going to lead us to, to solutions uh, that move us closer to fair trade. And that is what we have to have. Uh, we're going to have to take a break. I do want to uh, make sure that we leave time for another listener call. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. The time's running away from us, but Rich DuPont is here, Manny Santos and Ruby Corby O'Neill, all Republicans running for the 5th District. We're going to continue our conversation after the break. And you can tweet and find us on Facebook at Where We Live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're speaking to three Republicans who are running for the 5th Congressional District. Ruby Corby O'Neill, who lives in Southbury, Manny Santos, a Meriden resident, also a Republican endorsed candidate, and Rich DuPont, who lives in Watertown. You can join our conversation too, 860-275-7266. I want to take one more listener call before we uh, hit another topic, and that's education. Derek, go ahead with your question or comment. Hello. Hello. Go ahead, Derek. Okay, Lucy, thank you for taking my call. But I'm listening, and all I'm hearing is pure bias from these Republicans. The, the gentleman that you asked about, no credit for Obama. I wonder which country he was living in. I want to ask him what condition this America was in when Obama took over office. And where did Donald Trump took America from when he got into office? Because all I'm hearing is pure bias. And that's why I will never vote for a Republican, because I'm pretty sure Obama did some good things. I'm not saying he didn't do bad things. And it's early yet to judge Donald Trump. And they are getting head over heel, giving him all this credit. What about the children that he's dividing from their, from their parents? Is, I want to ask the gentleman, that same gentleman. I don't, I don't remember his name. I will, I, it was, it was Rich DuPont, to, Derek. I'll, yeah, I'll have I'll Rich respond. About the, 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 the children that, that Trump is dividing from the parents, if that's a good policy. Uh, Derek, thank you for your call. Uh, so, again, he's uh, alluding to a lot of the, uh, the strong feelings people have about sure. the president. So he sure. says uh, President Obama's administration deserves some credit. Yeah. Derek, thank you very much. Uh, I want to point out first that I was answering the questions that were asked of me. And, and to go to your point about 
children being separated from their parents. I think that I said nobody in their right mind would want to see children separated from their parents. But I think I also said you need to understand the issue and you need to understand what's really going on and not everything that you read. I did not say that President Obama didn't do anything right. I was asked uh, how he performed in, in his administration, and I do believe that he performed poorly. I believe that as a result of some of the policies and, and, and issues that, uh, that that president supported, our people, particularly our middle class and the underemployed in this country and in our district are suffering. And, and I think we need to correct that. And I think that social-based programs that are designed to assist people to lift themselves have been abused. And I think that has to be stopped. And I think we have to help people understand that they don't have to accept that, that there is opportunity and that there's plenty of opportunity for them out there. And it's not all that difficult when you believe in moving forward. And, and so I don't, uh, the, the last question was whether or not um, how I felt the president was doing. I didn't say that the president um, I, I answered the question. I believe right now that the president is moving the country forward, and I understand that we don't all agree, and that's what makes this world go round. Uh, I wanted to just take a Facebook comment. Uh, Holly writes, what do these candidates propose to do about the low wages that make it impossible for a single parent, in some cases, two working parents to support a family? I'm going to turn that question to you, Ruby Corby O'Neill, because your uh, story, your life story, uh, resonates probably with this question. How would you help single parents and others who are struggling? tax reform, cut taxes. When I was a single mother, I wanted to be able to keep more of my money so that I could feed my children, buy school supplies for my children. I think we need to change that um, in this country to allow people to hold on to more of their hard-earned money so that they can invest it the way they want to invest it, so that they can spend it and have it go um, through the economy. I think that's a a better way to stimulate the economy, not taxing the life out of people and sending it down to Washington, D.C., and then have candidates promising to raid the cookie jar and bring the money back. Leave my money with me. Yeah. We just have a few minutes, but I do want to talk about education, specifically higher education. We've done several shows. We hear from many listeners who are drowning in debt um, from uh, their college debt, and they're still struggling to find work. Um, if you're elected to the 5th District, if you're in Washington, how can you help uh, those uh, students and families who are struggling with college debt? Manny Santos. The, the college debt situation is, I believe, two, twofold. First of all, um, public policy has created the environment, as I go back to saying all the time, that, that discourages job growth, discourages job opportunities. And so folks are not finding jobs, especially here in, in uh, Connecticut. So they leave or they get underemployed. They get a, a part-time job. So uh, with, with respect to the overall uh, debtness of our, of our student po population, look, we've got to uh, take responsibility for, for our actions. If we want to go to college and spend forty dollars or $50,000 a year and, and come out of there at $200,000 in debt, you have to make sure that you're, you're choosing the correct career, that, that you're able to pay that back. If you can't afford to go to college, don't go to college. There's plenty of opportunities outside of college to get a really good job in, in, in the trades and manufacturing without a degree. Just a couple of minutes left. Uh, Rich DuPont, how do you help people that are struggling? Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, again, I agree that uh, the, 
this is an issue with the system that's been designed for, for how many years that puts everybody on one pathway, puts everybody on a pathway to a four-year degree from the grade schools um, on through, okay? And, and, and everybody's not destined to go to college. So we set students up for failure, get rid of Common Core, give students options, bring skills-based training back into our education system. And the work that I do across the street from the studio at the Board of Regents every week is, is helping get people closer and closer to the options that they should have. Uh, Ruby, again, you're a retired psychology professor. You've worked in the college system. What can we do for Americans? I certainly have. We have very uh, top-heavy administration in colleges, and the uh, student loan indebt indebtedness is just too much for students to bear. And that money isn't going directly into the classroom. It's going, as I said, to a top-heavy administration. But as I travel throughout the district, so many parents have come up to me and students have come up to me to talk about how biased the, and liberal the college campuses are. And I saw this firsthand, the hijacking of the curriculum by a uh, hostile liberal left agenda. And I would recommend that we pull back on federal financial aid um, for colleges and universities that uh, stifle academic and political diversity on their college campuses. And students have to demand an education, not indoctrination. Oh. And that's what's happening. We just have a little bit of time left. I want to ask each of you, if elected to the 5th District, name one uh, legislator across the aisle that you could work with. Rich DuPont. I can work with um, any any of the congressmen any across the aisle. A, a Democratic uh, Every uh, one of them. And I've worked with every one of them across the aisle to do what I do every day. Uh, one uh, Democratic congressman you could work with, uh, Manny Santos. I'm happy to work with any of them that agree with me. <laughs> Let's see. Ruby, could you oh. name one Democratic Congress, a man or woman that you could work with and not well, say all? <laughs> well, um, I don't necessarily want to work with people who agree with me because that's just like being in the center of an echo chamber. Um, you need to have d uh, differing opinions. But I have to say, I will work with anyone <laughs> who will work with me to secure the border. I'll work with John Larson. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Uh, again, we wanted to give time to our fifth uh, congressional candidate districts running uh, again for the Republican August 14th primary. Ruby Corby O'Neill, Manny Santos, Rich DuPont, uh, a pleasure to have you all come in to let listeners and voters know where you stand on the issues. We thank all of you. Also, uh, producer Lydia Brown, digital producer Carlos Mejia. Thanks to Carmen Baskoff for screening our calls. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Have a great weekend. And don't forget to vote August 14th. Thank you, Lucy.